Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different. And this podcast, or oddcast, if you will, is actually not designed for most people. You see, I believe that people who make the biggest difference in life, business, and marketing have the courage to be different, not better. They're focused on the exponential, not the incremental. And on this oddcast, we feature real conversations, not over-edited or produced interviews, that are designed to inspire you to follow your different in life, business, and marketing. On this episode, best-selling authors, two of them, two awesome guys I know quite well, they wrote a book called Tribe of Millionaires, and it's a great book by my friends David Osborne and Pat Hyben. Both of them are entrepreneurs, uh, started off in real estate, they're real estate investors, and they've expanded out from there. We have a no BS conversation about making money and why that's important to fuel your life. And beyond money, the power of building a tribe of like-minded people who will support you in your dreams and goals and a lot more. On this episode, you'll gain practical insights that you'll be able to put to work in your life and your business immediately. I'd encourage you to go to Lockhead.com for more. And uh, we'd love it if you subscribe to our newsletter at Lockhead.com, The Different. Um, and now, uh, let's see, <laughs> we're sponsored by our good friends at Oracle NetSuite. Learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business today at netsuite.com slash different. That's netsuite.com slash different. And I also want to invite you to Hyper Growth. It's one of the fastest growing events for modern business leaders. And it takes place uh, in San Francisco on November 18th, 2019. That's November 18th in San Francisco. And I will be there sharing the stage with legendary CMO of Splunk, my friend, Carrie Palin. And we would love to see you there. Go to hypergrowth.com and at checkout, type in a promo code legendary and you'll be able to get tickets for just 99 bucks. Hypergrowth.com, promo code legendary. We'd love to see you there. Now, hey ho, let's go. It was a blast. I mean, basically, you know, we've been thinking about how to put this in book format for a long time. And uh, what kept coming back to us was putting it in a, a fictional uh, setting. And personally, I hate fables. And uh, David came to me when we were in Japan and was like, you know, I want to make this a fable. And I was like, I hate them. I can't I can't follow them. I don't like them. They, they sound fake to me. And he says, no, trust me, let's do this. And uh, so we did it, and it came out incredible. I mean, my wife couldn't put it down. Everyone I've talked to couldn't put it down. Uh, it's a great story. It's about a guy named Ethan Martinez. Uh, and basically what happens with Ethan Martinez is he, his father dies, and uh, he goes to his dad's funeral to settle the estate. And he hasn't talked to his father in over 20 years. And uh, so when he gets there, his father's pallbearers are all billionaires and multimillionaires. And he's like, holy dirt, I thought my dad was a deadbeat. I hated him. Um, I had, uh, why are all these rich guys and successful guys and, and guys with great marriages, uh, you know, honoring my dad and carrying his coffin? And uh, it comes to find out that as part of the estate, part of his father's estate, uh, before he could get 
the money or or the estate itself, he needed to spend a week with these pallbearers on a deserted island or an island that that they flew to in a private jet with him. And and Ethan then discovers uh, throughout the book uh, what makes these men that he's with so successful and how he's going to take what he learns and put into his own life. And it's a really cool, very well done story, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> well, clearly you did a legendary job, and I'm, I'm glad you're stoked about it. And so I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> well, you know, some people do work and they're like, ah, it's not that good, right? So if you're going to write a book, you should be stoked about it. But I'm curious, Pat, like why... Uh, particularly given that you didn't want to write a fable, why you're so happy with that it's a fable and how the book turned out. Um, so what happened was, uh, it, let me just be honest with you, Chris. I mean, uh, like, you know, contrary to what most people believe, most books, most nonfiction books or any business books nowadays are written by a ghostwriter. So, you know, we found a guy who, um, Dan Clements is his name. He's written all the Darren Hardy books, who's, you know, founder of Success Magazine. He's written all the Hal Elrod books, you know, how the Miracle Morning, um, and, and, uh, he's, he wrote a book for David, David's latest book he wrote, uh, with Hal Elrod, the, the one, the Miracle Morning for Millionaires. And, and, um, we said, Hey, dude, come with us to Japan, come with GoBundance. And by the way, for th- those people, you know, thinking that I'm jumping ahead here, I apologize. Uh, David and I own a company called Abundance, which is a mastermind for businessmen uh, who are millionaires plus, who want to improve their net worth, who want to improve their their health, who want to improve their marriages, and who get together and share ideas. And Chris is a member. Chris has been one of our original members. Um, for the six years that we've been doing this, we have over 200 members now. So what Dan Clements did is he flew to Japan with 27 GoBros, as we call them, 27 members of our of our mastermind. And he listened to each of these members talk while he was there. And, and when we're together, we spend time on buses and planes and trains. And during that time, we mastermind on, on, you know, how to make more money and, and everything I mentioned before. And uh, he heard personal stories that were shared on trains and buses in Japan. And he created care. He created Ethan Martinez from listening to these stories. And then he created the pallbearers and the members of the tribe um, from listening to real life stories. So it's kind of like non-fictional real people melded together into fictional people within the story. And uh, that's kind of how we put it together. And that's why it turned out so good because it's a, it's, it's really about real people. I mean, we got a testimonial from uh, one of our members uh, yesterday, David and I saw it was a private testimonial um, and where he was crying. And he said, this book is about me. I, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm Ethan. And uh, that's a true story that just happened yesterday. And so, even though it is a fable, it's 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 really real. Yeah. And so, it's interesting. I was talking to a buddy of mine about this that there isn't there aren't more um, fictionalized stories that are based on um, 
you know, a true story or based on real people, right? You see them in entertainment genres, but uh, in the business world, you don't see people doing what you, you guys have done very much, which is the book is really steeped in real learnings from real people, but it's, it's, it's spun together in a fictionalized uh, account to make it kind of, you know, it's fun to have it be a fable. And the other thing that's powerful is I've been working a lot on story lately. And the reality is people remember stories way more than they remember facts or way more than they remember, you know, the seven steps to, you know, being awesome or whatever the case may be. Right. It's funny. Cause I, uh, I speak a lot and I'm always, my whole life I've been frustrated by this. It's like, I can give the wisdom and knowledge and tools to take you to another level. And that, people go, that's great, man. I'm, that was like a seven out of 10 speech. And then someone gets on and goes, I was in the closet in college and I got bullied by all the guys that I went to college with. And then I came out and, and I had a mental breakdown and now I'm okay. And people are like, ah, they get up and they clap and that's a 10 out of 10 and they're a standing ovation. And I'm like, well, what did you get from that that you could apply to your life to take to the next level? Nothing. But the story is what makes the difference. Politicians do the same thing. They're like, yeah, I knew this girl that had to take her dog's pills to survive. And everyone's like, oh, that's an outrage. But it's really just a story. It doesn't really mean anything. You know, what you really, if you're running something intelligently, you'd want to know statistically how many people have to take their dog's, you know, pills. And then you would put a stop to it if it was like a large percentage. But if it's one or two crazy people, it might just be an outlier that likes taking dog pills. Um, and all these people use anecdotes and stories. But even with me, stories are way more powerful. I remember them. And, and, and we did a great job on this book. Dan Clements did a great job. Um, I couldn't put it down. My, my mom hasn't read a book in 10 years. She said she's almost finished it, which is a small miracle. Wow. Um, and then Pat and I, like our story goes way back. Like I am partially the man I am today because of Pat and, you know, the importance of your tribe and people that will hold you accountable. Uh, you know, some guys maybe like you, Chris, were born and when, you know, when the doctor slapped your butt to make you cry, you punched him in the face, but not everybody's born that way. Some of us, <laughs> some of us are a little more chill and we have to learn how to find the tiger. Chris jammed his of, finger in the doctor's nose. <laughs> exactly. Kicked him I, in the nuts. I was born angry and angry <laughs> is my happy place. <laughs> <laughs> Give me more of that scotch over there. He said. Fuck you. I'm going to show you. <laughs> But uh, some of us had to develop it. And the best way to develop it is to have a tribe of people that don't let you forget it. I, you know, I tell people, you got to choose your greatness from when you're inspired and motivated and then f have cues to knock you out of mediocrity when you fall back to your base mediocrity. Because most of us, me included, are, are mediocre at best. I mean, there's no children. And there's no Tiger Woods without his dad driving him to play golf every day. There's no great athletes. There's no Andre Agassi without his dad busting his balls to, you know, play tennis every single morning. If you've read, read his book about the open, it's an amazing book. Look so, at um, uh, the, the Williams sisters and the role their parents and their dad played, right? Exactly. You always, usually there's somebody behind him. Not all of us get that. And probably you don't want it. You don't really want a dad that screws you up, but makes you a winner. But you can choose it yourself and then put yourself around a lot of people that are on the same journey. And that will remind you on a perpetual basis of the greatness you're choosing. And it makes it way easier to be great when everyone around you is great. We're like, we're like your default. If you're the worst guy in the tribe, 
and, and you're worth a million bucks, that's not a bad default option. You know, there are way worse tribes to be a part of, but you tend to grow towards the people you hang out with. And Pat, for one, he kicked my ass a lot. We met when we were, I was probably 29, 30, and we were in a mastermind and the guy at the mastermind said, you guys have to hold one another accountable. You are now, you are now each other's coach and the price of the coaching is reciprocal coaching. So think of it that way. You're going to say what you're going to do and, and Pat's going to hold you accountable and Pat will tell you what he's going to do and you're going to hold him accountable. And for years, man, Pat would just kick me in the nuts. Like I'd be like, I'd say I was going to do this stuff and I wouldn't do it. And Pat would send me an email said, hey, are you going to walk your walk or just uh, talk the talk like everybody else does and not do anything about it. I'd wake up to that on a Monday morning because I hadn't sent him what I said I'd send him on Friday. And I'd be like, oh, that really hurt. But you know what? It's true. I do want to be the guy that's going to walk my walk. I do want to choose greatness. So let me get my shit together and be more accountable. And over 10 years of that process, we both became financially free. We became physically healthier. We have more adventures. We're better fathers. We're better husbands. You know, we've transitioned a little bit. We're kind of like the elder guys now, so we don't kick each other in the nuts anymore. That's only fun for young people, except for you, Chris. You're the exception. Um, but we still uh, hold each other accountable in just kind of a we kinder, still do from way. time to time. Yeah, there's a little nut kicking every now and then. There's got to be a, at least the threat of some nut <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah. I think there was one on a last business call but uh. yeah we have to be careful we, we can we can we, we both know it's kind of like being married like with my wife i know how far i can go where i can still recover and how far you know i try to not go over that edge anymore where i've got like three weeks of emotional pain because i went too far so you kind of <laughs> no step booty. up to the threshold and then you're like, like your uh, your other spouse right yeah he is like my other spouse in some ways my brother yeah. from another mother i would for sure i would say that yeah I mean, I get a lot, I get, you know, at the end of the day, there's, a, I mean, I mean, I think some people really get like, like expect to get everything out of their wife. And I think at the end of the day, the, I, I, you know, I, at least I, I think one of the reasons I've been married 27 years is that I never had that expectation where like, I have to get like all these things and I found it in other people. And David's a great example. Like I, I found in David, like a guy that I can just fucking talk to in a, um, how do you say it? An Asperger sort of way about money and about investments. And like, we can literally get on the phone and be like, what have you invested in the last two months? You know what I mean? And I can listen and we could talk for an hour and a half on that. Right. And and not say anything else, but there's very few people I could do that with. I certainly couldn't do it with my wife. She would care less. Right. I try to, I'm trying to get her to update my profit loss. To, I mean, my net worth statement today. And she's asking all these questions about it that not, not because she wants to know, just because, she wants to know, you know, how to spell this or, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, some people, some people, I mean, if you have that conversation with the, they think you're a jerk because you're talking about money. If you're doing it with your financial planner, they've got an agenda. They're going to try to take your money and put it somewhere so they get paid. Me and Pat just have that ability to talk about a wide range of topics, including money and being intra genuinely interested in each other's well-being in each of those areas. Um, and that's what we've created in the tribe too, is nobody really talks about money, but having it's good. I mean, it shouldn't be everything, of course, but there's way different. Financial freedom is way better than no financial freedom, given a choice. Okay. Let's IQ test, Chris. Would you rather be financially free or not financially free? Oh, you know, David, money doesn't make anybody happy. It just brings problems. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. So you're not in my tribe. Go somewhere else. I don't want to. I, I, you can find people that agree with you and go live with them. Well, and, um, and, from, and you yeah. know, I, I love that you guys talk about money and people have it that discussing money 
kind of is 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 rude or if you're financially oriented you're an asshole or you don't care about people or the world or like there's a lot of bullshit context that you know gets put on money and yes are there people who are like that of course there are but Nobody ever talks about what you just talked about, David, or let me say not nobody, rarely, right? What does it mean in one's life to achieve financial freedom? And if you were to achieve such a thing, first of all, what, what the fuck does that even mean? If you were to achieve it, what would that then make possible? And I find that people don't have a good relationship with money. You know, for me, money is 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 fuel money is money is what creates opportunity to do things it's not the raison d'etre for my life but being financially free makes a gigantic difference in my life and so why is it you think more people don't talk about this you know the same reason people don't talk about how how to have a, how to be a husband or how to be a dad i guess i don't know if they're embarrassed by it or it's something they feel like they shouldn't talk about it like in high school there's not really many money, money classes there's no there's no classes on any of the most important shit i don't know why that why that is why don't they tell you how to get on in relationship like pat said earlier if you think your wife's going to solve all your problems you're going to either go through a lot of pain or be divorced in 10 years right that's not what they're there for they're not there to be your parent and then treat you differently than your parent did so they don't teach that they don't teach how to raise kids they don't teach that you shouldn't let them be on their electronics five hours a day and eat M&Ms for lunch and dinner. You, you know, they, I don't know why they don't. It's crazy. The world's all screwed up. Everybody, they teach the wrong things. But in our tribe, we talk about it. And for me, it's a healthy venting to talk about it. It helps me so much to be clearly. I mean, even recently, people have been telling me, hey, dude, may, you, maybe you should look at the identity that got you to financial freedom and see how to shift that so you can have more nourishing experiences in life. And that's a great conversation. You can't have it with everybody because, you know, people, I don't know, they get offended. It's weird. You and me and Pat are all financially free. How's that working for you? I mean, it's, it's not everything. Like, Yeah, I gave away 250000 of charity water. They built uh, 10 wells in Africa. 13,000 villagers or people got clean water that didn't have it before. Now, I tell you that not because I want to add a boy. I don't want to pat on the back. I don't deserve a pat on the back. The guy that deserves is the guy, Scott Harrison, that created Charity Water and all the guys out in the field that are digging the wells. But you go ask those 13,000 people that get to drink clean water every day, whether it matters that I'm a guy that focuses on making money and gives some away, or whether it matters that I, I could be a person that didn't care about money and maybe was more environmentally conscious or socially aware or something different. They don't give a shit. They're just happy they got clean water. And that's what money does. With money, you could do a lot of things. You can have a great life for yourself. But you can also make a great difference in a lot of other people's lives. Um, well, and to, and I think to your point on, I love the tribe idea, and I, you know, I love being part of Go Abundance. I love the whole concept. And if you think about money in the context of your tribe and your family, you know, this is something that's happened to me in the last uh, forty-eight hours. Um, a friend of mine who uh, a little over a year ago had a very significant medical issue, uh, life-threatening potentially. Luckily, came through it. Um, but there's been, you know, like a lot of very serious things, there's been some follow-up problems and this and that and the other, and it's impacted his ability to make as much money as he used to. And I was having a conversation with him and his wife, and I love them dearly, and I have for most of my life, frankly. And I just said, listen, um, please don't argue with me, but I, I want to send you a check. And and then literally before we started this discussion, uh, my wife came in, uh, she was out and she came home in the car and she said, I was talking to so-and-so who's a friend of ours and uh, it's a couple, a different couple that we love dearly. 
and they're going through some problems in their in their marriage. And part of those part of that is financially oriented. And my wife Carrie said to me, "Look, I hope you don't mind, but I told and I, you know, I won't say her name, but I told you know Susie that um, we give them some money to get them over this the, this hump." And so, literally in a twenty four hour period, we were able to show up. To two, in this case, two different couples that we love dearly, we're very, very close to, and for one reason or another, they're having life problems that are also ha- having some financial problems, and we're able to be the people that says, all right, well, we're going to take a little bit of pressure out of the system for you. And the ability to do that for your friends and your family is an extraordinary thing. And that's why one of our standards in our tribe is to be financially free. And, uh, you know... It's not that hard in the United States of America. It's not easy, but it's not that hard. It's not, you know, we have this giant, you know, marketplace where if you just do moderately intelligent things on a repetitive basis over a period of time, you'll be financially free. So all the benefits you're talking about, I'm talking about, I know Pat does a ton in the philanthropic world is only possible if the if first, just like in when an airplane has problems, you put your oxygen mask on first, you create financial freedom first. And uh, it's way easier to do it in a tribe of knuckleheads. Like what I love about GoBundance is the guys in it are just regular dudes, man. There's not like PhD from Harvard kind of guys. There's nobody that reprogrammed Apple. They're just guys that are have some <laughs> grit and some gusto and they get after it. They make a lot of mistakes. They get off the ground. They don't whine and bitch and complain. They just make shit happen. And eventually most of them get financially free. A lot of yeah, former uh, paper boys, I notice. Lawnmower yeah. kids, paper yeah. boys. Yeah. I think it goes to the work ethic and and also the thinking about it. You know, that's that's the one of the common denominators, right? The guy, the tribe of millionaires, the real tribe of millionaires, which has two hundred twenty five members now, they think about it all the time. But there's not a guy in the room. There's not a guy in the twenty two hundred twenty five members that doesn't think about money constantly. And I and and I think so. It it it. I don't know. It's just a natural thing. And I think that uh, what people can learn from that is, is if you're not thinking about money, to, to start thinking about money, to write down your net worth, to write down your what money you get that's making you financially free. We like to call it horizontal income, which is money that comes in sideways. Um, I also lo- I always love that term from you, Pat, because I think of it as it comes in when you're laying down doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, you can, that, that's a good way to think about it too, right? Yeah. And so, you know, is that what you think is one of the big learnings here um, from both your personal experiences as well as all these other big ding-dong guys you've worked with and the, all the go, go bros and go abundance that the, to create this notion of horizontal income, that is to say, decouple money coming in from you doing from labor, so to speak? Yeah, decoupling trading time for money eliminating yeah. trading time for money. Yeah, it's mailbox money. It's this idea that you could have 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 checks coming in every month from different sources. And uh, it's not, a, yeah, it, you know, both Pat and I have a bunch of different checks coming in. I got 55 different income generating sources right now that pay me a check every month. And that's counting 100 properties as seven because I put them in seven LLCs. It could be 150 if you wanted to look at it from an individual's rental property point of view. And Pat's got like, what, 35, 40? Yep. And that's possible. I mean, we're knuckleheads. Like, right, I got a 2.3 in college, man. I'm not, I'm not like sitting here like, you know, I don't know, 
uh, Sherlock Holmes or who's that other guy that invented electricity? Sherlock Holmes. Didn't, I think first was Sher- <laughs> fucking Sherlock Holmes is a fictional character. He must have said Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm a dork at heart. What can I say? Sherlock was my favorite. He was great. Uh, I think Bill I can, Gates invented electricity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. I think that's what he invented. Was it? I thought it was Al Gore. <laughs> I, I, so, Al Gore invented the internet after Bill Gates invented electricity. I think that's uh, that what it was. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's like uh, that old line, you know, it's never been the same since the uh, Nazis attacked Pearl Harbor on 7 <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that, is that, so what's the mindset you want people to take away here? Uh, you know, because I, I see a lot. I see, First, we want to build a tribe of like-minded people who are committed to, we've been talking about the financial side, but really, I think about you guys as uh, master life designers with you know money being a critical component of it, uh, and then surrounding yourself with this tribe. But if I was, if I was you know, coming to you guys saying, hey, look, I'm starting out, or, or, and I, or, or maybe I'm not a young guy, maybe, I'm, uh, my, maybe I am my age, but I fucked some things up, and I really want to unfuck myself here. What should I be thinking about in terms of building financial stability that ultimately gets to financial freedom? What should you be thinking about? Like as a young guy that just uh, just doesn't have a net worth at all? Like yeah, why don't we take step? both scenarios? A young guy and then an older guy who's maybe trying to hit the reset. Yeah, that's a great question, especially the second part, an older guy. Let's do let's do the older guy trying to set the reset button because you know I I get this with people all the time because um, a lot of people you know reach a certain age and they just don't have the jam anymore. Like I was talking to a guy at a barbecue the other day and you know it, it, whatever business he was in it went out right and uh, he was asking me all this about real estate stuff right and I was like dude why don't you be a real estate agent and he's like fifty three years old let's say. Um, he's like, man, I, I just don't, that's a young man's game. I just don't have that jam. You know, he's like, I just, I, 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 I have to go at it. And that, and I was like, that kind of sucks. You know what I mean? But it's true. It's a hundred percent true. Right. He probably doesn't have, he'll probably get his ass kicked if he got in the business against a bunch of, you know, guys with so, a hell of so, a lot more energy. So what's, what's your advice for that guy, Pat? <laughs> yeah. Other than now he's depressed. The listeners are crying in the corner. I don't have any jam. I think I'm just going to go kill myself. Or Somebody, I, 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 mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think that I, I think that the actual advice is he, he would have to like get on testosterone. He would have to get on, you know, he would have to like, really like, and I, I don't think that, <laughs> I, I don't know what the answer is. Because it, it really is a young man's game, right? It, if you want to make. The, what Look, the, I, I, I got to jump in. It's never too late, man. It's never too late to start making good decisions. It's never too late to start taking whatever you've built, whatever resources you have and make good decisions. We got guys in the tribe that are older. If you just bought one rental property at age 52, uh, even if it was 120 grand in Memphis, Tennessee, or somewhere around there, and you rented it out for let's say 1,200 a month, and you put it on a 15-year note, and you did nothing else, then you're 67, retired, and you've doubled your social security. If you did nothing else, that's one little thing that person could do. Um, people underestimate what they could do in 10 years and overestimate what they can do in one year. And they get discouraged because they try to do some big shit in one year and it doesn't work, and they fail, and then they're like, "Oh, this sucks. I'm out." The reality is you take a 10-year plan, you put it in place, you start taking incremental action steps towards it, 
And in the end of 10 years, even at 52, you could make a different life for yourself by 62 than you had at 52. But the key to it is to be around people that understand that and live that every day. And the definition of insanity is to stay in the same environment, expecting different results. So if a person like that stays in their job, stays around the same people they've been around, stays around the same negative Nellies they've been around, their life won't change. If you want to change things, do something crazy, like go to Tony Robbins and walk on fire. Even if you're 52, join GoBundance, get in a tribe of people where you're getting new information and new ways of thinking and new ways of being. It's not that hard. It's not like we live in Russia. We don't live in like Croatia where there's no opportunities and you can't make it. We live in the United States of freaking America. There's opportunities all over the place. You just got to use your brain, use your wisdom, and then take incremental steps towards that. You don't even have to do it by working 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week like most of us did when we were younger because now we're not and we're making even more money. I make more money today working less than I ever did when I was younger. Why? Because I'm way smarter and way more strategic. So I think that person has to get themselves out of their comfort zone, out of a space, find a new environment, change their way of being and thinking and see what happens. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, shit, I got divorced at 38. Whoa. And, um, I was in a long-term marriage and, and my ex-wife, um, deservedly so, I must say, um, got half our net worth. And in the decade that came after that, I worked like way less than I'd ever worked in my life. And I made back the half that she got and more. And I was like, how, how does this happen? And there is a, there is a, place in your life where, you know, you feel like you're pushing that boulder up the hill and you're pushing it up the hill and you're like, fuck, we're, this boulder's getting bigger and this hill's getting taller and, and it just feels like a tremendous amount of work and you want to give up. But then there's some, someday you wake up and you go, hmm, I think that boulder might be rolling down the hill a little now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I've noticed the exact same thing. Like uh, it's so much easier now than it was before. And it's, I just think of it and look at it differently, but I don't know how I could have got to this level of thinking without going through all that crap I went through. But, you know, maybe people can short circuit that by just coming and hanging out and seeing a different way. Um, it just definitely. sort of happens. I used to always read that, you know, you the, the the average American male makes, you know, the most money in their life between 50 and 60. And I always thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how does that happen? And, and now that I'm 53, it's like... Um, it's it's sort of like osmosis, but it goes back to what David says. It's just like because you're that much wiser, you're that much more strategic, and I think you're also more um, entitled to your time. So you try to sh do things uh, as simply as possible and cut to the chase more. You know, yeah, it's momentum too. You have a certain momentum. You usually by then have a good reputation. You got people that send you deals because right. they trust you. You, you, you know, people that are successful. Right. You're doing the, the deals I did 20 years ago compared to the deals that I'm doing now or the, the deals I'm doing now are just so much more vetted. And the people are so much smarter and, and have such a better track record than the randoms I was I was doing deals with 20 years or t even 15. Yeah, years. that is an interesting thing. You know, um, this this business of a tribe um, you know, I'm at a point in, in, you know, you guys are in real estate, obviously, and thanks to you and a lot, thanks to Tim, you guys have educated me and about some things. And, and to your point, like when a guy like Andrew sends an email, uh, I'm like, all right, well, are the terms of this one more or less like the terms of the last one we did together? And he'll say, yeah, or he'll say, this is a little different or that's a little different. I'll say, great. And I'll say, how much money do you want? And I'll say, great. And I'll send him a check. And, and I don't even think about it. And I got to Andrew through you guys and of course through Tim, right? 
And it's the same thing in my core world, if you want to call it that, of Silicon Valley. Right? I get asked all the time, you know, I don't do anywhere near as much sort of advising and investing as I used to. But people say, well, how do you make a decision what companies to get involved with? Well, it's really simple. Somebody I know, love, trust, and admire and have for years emails or calls me and says, this is a great company, great entrepreneur, would love to get you involved. I'm very open to doing that. If I've never heard of them, don't know what's up. I, I, I'm not going to spend the time to do the due diligence. I'm just not going to do it. I might miss the next Google or whatever, but if it doesn't come through, quote unquote, my tribe, that's my filter. Yeah, I, I heard you. I heard like Pat said, you make your most money in 56. I heard you have your entire network you need in your 40s. So somewhere around your mid 40s, you know everyone you need to know. You actually don't need to know anybody else. Um, but also going back to the younger people, what would the younger people do? You, I would say to the younger people, even if your life's a mess, how awesome that you're young. That is so incredible that you're young. And it's so incredible that you're asking the question, what do I got to do to get out of my mess? Because most people just go from mess to mess and they never ask the question. So therefore, there's really nothing you could do to help them. But if you're an, a young person and you're in a mess and you're asking that question, hallelujah, man. You're gonna, there's so much stuff out there that you can start finding. And it goes back to that same thing. The only thing that matters to you or winning as a young person is your mindset, you know, and, and getting your mind right. That's it. It's like eerie, fairy, whatever, ethereal. We talk about it in the tribe, but it's all about getting your brain thinking the way it needs to think to make winning inevitable. I talked to the all, all black psychological coach, right? The all black rugby team in New Zealand, they win way more than they should for such a tiny little country. And they have a psych coach. And as an example, one of the things he teaches them, I said, well, what do you teach him? He says, well, one of the things I teach him is to not let the one bad play screw up the next three plays, right? We all have this in life. The referee makes a bad call. The, the, the government makes a bad call. Your, your boss makes a bad call. How long does it take you to get out of funk and into function? And, and that's just a, that's totally a, a product of your training and your mental training, right? Good one. And, out of funk and into function. Yeah. Is that a new one? That's a yeah. That's, I, I just said it. That's the first time I've ever oh, said it. Oh come but, on, yeah. really? It was in your, it was in your subconscious. Someone else out of funk and into function. Oh that boy, you like you're cool in the gang song from funk. <laughs> <laughs> get out of funk. Get a copy right that man. Yeah, I write should, that man, shit right down. Now. Somebody get working on that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Chris's uh, new book. David will wake up yeah, one morning and be like, funk to funk. bestseller yeah. from You're funk to funk. Out of funk and into function, David will be like, dope. You know what? <laughs> millions off it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing new in the world, By man. It's Christopher all just Lockett. recreated. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sell the song to Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jay will be hanging. <laughs> You know, but it's that's funny. the kind of thing that's a, you, you know that win, you know that thing, Chris. You know all about it. You've been stomped on before when it was unjust, and then sometimes you feel sorry for yourself for six freaking months, and then one day you realize I shouldn't have felt sorry for myself for six freaking minutes because I just let the asshole win twice. Amen, hallelujah. God, we can get knocked off our true north so fast, can't we? And they mm -hmm. get lost into sort of weird, funky thoughts that don't really matter. I try to my funk to function. This is going to sound to you, you crazy is to be like my chickens. Say what? Those, those little dinosaurs, first of all, they're happy as shit most of the time. And, but they do get into fights. The pecking order is a real thing. And there'll be a nasty fight between the two of, two of them. And we got to break it up or whatever. And they're like ready to kill each other. And literally, literally seconds later, once we get them calmed down, the two of them will be right next to each other. And they'll be sleeping next to each other or scratching next to each other and be totally happy like it never happened. And I'm like, hmm, they went from trying to kill each other to it never happened in, in 30 seconds. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. That's how my kids are too, you know. They're irritated as heck with you, and then they, they're right back into the game two seconds later. And yeah, that's the lesson for all of us. So that's the young people. The young people are so lucky because they're young. They got plenty of time to figure it out, but they better start trying to figure it out now. Just get into it right now. That would be my advice to both of those people. So why do you think we have such a big problem in this country, you know, with, with such a bifurcation of wealth where so many people in the middle class can't get off of this uh, slave to a job, slave to three jobs? You know, of course, I live in Santa Cruz and in this part of the world in Northern California, the Bay Area, the cost of housing is just an absolute crusher for people and can be very, very hard to feel like you could ever even own a home, never mind own uh, a rental property and start getting that horizontal income going. And so if I'm somebody who's sort of, you know, stuck in the sort of middle tier uh, economically, and I'm just having a hard time making ends meet, um, how do I break free to get a little bit of traction going to begin to do the kinds of things that you guys teach? It would be the same thing David just said about the young person or the old person, right? It's just, it's the same thing, right? You just got to do it. You got to, you got to start. Yeah. It's not, it's not the doing that's hard. It's the making the commitment to do that's most people. If you said, Hey, I'm going to be healthy. You would, you know, you'd, it'd be very easy to learn how to eat right, exercise, do that kind of stuff. If you want to be wealthy, it starts with that commitment, that decision, I'm going to be wealthy. And then you just, Spend less than you earn, save capital, invest the capital, hold the capital accountable for a rate of return. I'm telling you, whoever that is that you're saying, and yeah, it is. It's terrifying. The main reason most people don't do it is they're all they're they're terrified. No one's given the training or the confidence or the space to do it. But there are people, whoever's listening right now, that's in that situation. There are people dumber than you, uh, with making less money than you that are on the path to financial freedom because they're getting in the right environment, getting around the right people and taking the right actions that will lead to financial freedom. And one of them is to understand that if it's just you earning, you're limited because it's just you. And if you start buying assets that can earn for you, you suddenly have doubled your income potential because now you're earning and then you got this little asset, even as a little rental property in Memphis, Tennessee or Mississippi or someplace, and it's earning for you too. And then you get a third one and a fourth one. And that's the beginning of it. And it looks almost not worth doing at first because you look at one rental property like, great, my overhead here, my house rent is 5000 a month. Why would I buy a home in Memphis that makes me $100 extra a month? That's just dumb. And that's what they're thinking. But it's not dumb because in 20 years, you, you could be like me and have 100 single family homes that pay you a half a million dollars a year in free passive income, whether you get out of bed or not. But I started with one single home in Austin, Texas that I bought for $77,000 back in 1995. So it, again, it goes back to that People don't think it's worth the effort to put time into thinking about their future financial situation and how they could win. But if you just put an hour a week into it, that's 50 hours a year. You're like ahead of, you know, how many does the average human put into thinking about my financial structure and, and situation every week? Probably zero times, right? Until I know, but I, I might have taxes. to cut back on the time I spend looking at Kardashian ass selfies. <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the rub right there, Chris. That's the rub. But yeah, Kardashian's Whoa. damn interesting. Four ways too, in like, one, maybe. damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Like, just do that. Fuck it. Like, making wealth is, is hard. Don't do that. Just, just, just look at the Kardashians. That's what I would do. That is it. I, I think it goes that to exactly that. Like, it's a, that is it, right? Like, it's like David said. It's like, you have to just wake up and be like, that is it. I'm not going to fucking walk down this aisle and look at these two cans of beans 
and one is, you know, a dollar seventy-five and one is a dollar eighty-four and be like, oh, I better go with the dollar seventy-five. I mean, you just have to reach that stage where you're like, Serenity now, that is it. And then you just change, right? You change and say, I'm gonna start number one, focusing on what's forward, like how can I add to the income that I already have now through investments? And number two, how can I not be afraid of going backwards? Because I think that that's why people don't do it because they're afraid of going backwards, right? And you just have to lose that fear. You just have to have that confidence. Like, I'm not going to go backwards. I'm going to make sure that this works. And then if we move out of the financial area for a sec, um, you know, Pat, you were talking about, about how much guys put on their wives. And, and I hear this a lot. I hear guys say, oh, my wife is my best friend and things along these lines. And, and look, I get what they mean by that. And I think that's wonderful. I have a very deep, powerful relationship with my gal. And, and I think that's awesome. And, and my life is centered around her in that, in that way. And in my experience and the research I've read uh, suggests that... Um, Men are not good at making relationship, new, new relationships. I've read research that says that um, the, the average American man doesn't make a meaningful friend past college. And I really believe no matter how great your relationship is with your spouse, in the case of us with your, with your wives, um, men need to be with men. Men need to go do stuff with other men. Men need to have other different kinds of friends. Um, and, and so... You know, I'm not sure it's healthy to have a best friend that's your wife. I think she can be your primary relationship in life for sure. My wife's the person I want to spend the most time with. But, you know, going out, hanging, hanging out with you guys, having, hang, hanging out with my other male friends, going for a hike, you know, doing this stuff man to man, mano a mano, uh, is a very, very powerful thing to build intimate, uh, caring, and, and, and fun uh, male relationships, and yet the average American man is not doing this. That's interesting because yeah, because it does because you are scratching an itch mano to mano by going on a hike. And like to take hiking as a great example. Like my wife doesn't like to hike, right? So I don't sit there and be like, oh, I want to find a spouse that fucking likes to hike, right? I'm like, no, I'll just go hiking with with one of my GoBros. You know what I mean? I scratch that itch and I stay married, right? So it's it's simple as that. I I I agree with you what you said. Fascinating fact what you said about the average American male does not make a deep friendship beyond college. I never heard of that, but it, but I see it. I see it in a lot of people, and I think that's why GoBundance has taken off, quite frankly, because there's people that are have friendships in this tribe that are literally you know, the first friendship, male to male friendship that they've developed since college and they're 50 years old. It's very interesting you said that. Well, and uh, according to some of the other research I've seen, the loneliest demographic in the United States of America uh, are white men north of 40. White men who are older than 40 for exactly that reason. So my wife told me something interesting that I've never forgotten. I don't remember where she got it, but she said, men bond shoulder to shoulder, women bond face to face, right? And so one of the things we build into Go Abundance is like bucket list adventures and working out together. Every one of our events, we do something adventurous during the day and then we meet in the afternoon and evening 
And I think there's a reason for that. Like guys like to be doing like, and again, I'm not going to get into the whole gender thing. I know there's men that are like women and women that are like men, but it's like the masculine energy likes to do stuff. And that's how we make friendships. So if we went to like a speed dating for friends, it would be like torture, like shoot me now. But if it's like, hey, let's go play golf or let's go climb a mountain or let's go do play ultimate Frisbee. And then you're halfway through the game like, hey, I kind of like you. I like the way you catch the ball. I like that you threw it to me in the end zone. Let's be buddies, right? Let's go have a beer and talk about, you know, something we did today. Well, and, and the fascinating thing you know, about that insight, David, is if you look at, and again, these are mass generalizations, of course, but men develop face-to-face -face relationships that that start with shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder relationships, right? The reason the three, of, the three of us are buddies is we've done some shit together. And as yep. a result, to your point, we're like, hey, you know, it's fun that we did this. And, and, and now we have face-to-face, -face, we talk, right? Yep. And in the case of women, again, overgeneralization, but women get to know each other first face-to-face, -face, and then they go do stuff together, right? And That's so, right. men, what I've found, and this is one of the things I love about GoBundance, and I love about sort of the life philosophy that the two of you and Tim really espouse is, is get out there, do stuff with other guys who are career oriented, business oriented, uh, but who want to have fun and who want to, who care about the world and people around them. Go do this shit, let the relationships form and then see what happens. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it just that, makes it, think about Chris, think about um, these dudes, right? That were in Vietnam together, right? And uh, they come back from the war and over the next 40 years, uh, they get divorced four fucking times, right? So they clearly have relationship issues. But who's like the the one group that they always are hanging out with? Those right? same guys they fought with. Those same guys they fought with. So it's, it just shows you that shared experiences and the more intense the experience and the more adrenaline it happens during the experience. The more you bond. A, the more you're done. The, the, the stock trade of strong friendships. Experiences create that. So I think if you said to those white guys that don't have buddies, you know, you, that you'd say, hey, go make a friend. They, they, this sounds like torture. But if you said, hey, let's go whitewater rafting down the Grand Canyon with like 12 guys that are in your similar kind of mindset, that's where I think some of the power of GoBundance is too. I mean, there's lifelong friends in there. And uh, I for sure have made a bunch of great friends through the years in GoBundance. I got the opposite problem, Chris. I got too many friends. Like I got more friends than I need. I love them all, but I got too damn many. Hey, does, the they're, they're, they're really not friends. They just want to fly on your jet, dude. Is that what it is? <laughs> you got to yeah, worry about that, right? That's I've been way more popular since I bought the jet. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> they just want to take a selfie with you and be like, look who I'm quote unquote friends with. This, this, this out of shape guy selfie. goes to this, this guy out of shape guy goes to the gym. He says to a trainer, like, what's the gym machine I should use quickest to get myself in, in great shape so the chicks will like me? And the trainer looks at him up and down and says, I just go back to the ATM in the lobby. Are you appearing all week? Are you on tour right now? You doing a residency in So the other thing I think in the tribe is so fun for me is like being a better dad and a better uh, father and a husband. Like to me, that's like, so it's all of this, right? So once you get the accountability gene and you're making money, the money's just important because it opens up availability and access and possibility, right? It's really hard to go to Iceland and kayak for two weeks if you can't afford it. Um, then it's like, okay, get your body in shape because that's probably the number one currency of, of, of life period, especially when you're in forties and fifties. Like they've done studies that people that are in shape, think better, move faster, have more resources, are more capable than people that are out of shape. It's kind of obvious when you think about it, right? So you're kind of 
got to get your body in shape. And then it's like, okay, how do I be a great dad and a great parent and all that? So this is all kind of integrated in conversations we have in the tribe and why we wrote the book. It's a, uh, it's a living, breathing, like community of people just trying to have excellence in so many areas. And you don't get that unless you're around people that are willing to talk about the struggles of being an entrepreneur coming home and having your wife pissed off at you because you might've made a million bucks, but you missed the kids for dinner again. Mm. Yeah. And to them, they don't care about the million bucks. They just want you home with the kids. And so it, how do you handle that? It really is. You know, I, I don't like this work-life balance thing because I think it's a stupid paradigm for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but it really is about the, the, the more powerful paradigm, I think, is being a 360-degree person. Yes. Right? And, and one of my favorite expressions is, who said you can't have it all? Yeah, who's I like that too. Financially yeah. free. Have an extraordinary relationship with your spouse or your primary partner. Have great relationships with your family and friends. Do awesome shit. Go go kayaking in Iceland or whatever the fuck. Um, be be you know generally physically fit. Um, uh, ha- have high class problems called what do I prefer a, a Brunello or a nice Napa Cabernet <laughs> <laughs> or an Amarone. Uh, but for some reason, there's a trade in people's head where we really a lot of us we get conditioned. Well, you can't have it all. Like you can't have a. Uh, a, a marriage that, that doesn't have fighting intention in it, you know. Oh well, son, you know, uh, it's all life's all about compromise, and you're not going to get your way, and you got to, and you got to work for the man, and the system's rigged, and right, you know, you just, this whole, whole giant life fuck vortex of bullshit that that is easy to get sucked into. It's so easy to get sucked into that. Man, that's terrible stuff, but it's easy to get sucked into. It's like politics today, or like anything that just drags you down. You just want to. What's that thing from war games? The only way to win is to not play that game. Just stay out of it. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I don't know why, but it, it, you're right. I think your mind is generally set up that there has to be a balance in your mind of everything. Like, oh, well, if you do this, then this is going to suffer. Or if you do this, then that is going to suffer. And the fact of the matter is just not true. You just have to learn how to do them all at the same time. Learn how to be physically fit, how to have a phenomenal marriage, how to have, be a phenomenal dad, how to make a ton of money. You know, all, all of that is, can be possible at all times. And there's plenty of people that that can prove that to you. And so when are we going to start teaching that in school, boys? Yeah. I mean, that's another good one. I mean, my kids are in a cool school, but they're private schools. Of course, it's like they teach a lot of good stuff. I think you can have it all for sure. Like I got the most amazing life. I wouldn't trade any of it. It's incredible. I got, I just love it every single day, but I have to work on it. It's a very conscious life. I'm very consciously engaged in my life. So I plan it. I live, I have a plan. I live my plan. I follow my plan. And my plan includes my wife, my kids, my health. That's the key. Back. That's yeah. the key is consciousness. And that goes back to what we were talking about before is most people that are just not conscious at all, right? They're just, they're just getting through the fucking day. Yeah, the getting through. I've had the getting through the fucking day life, and it's nowhere near as good as the I create my experience of my life every day intentionally, exactly the way I want it to be. <laughs> yes. So how yeah. do you how do you do it consciously, David? I just plan. Like I I plan. I got a goal. I got a goal. I'm very driven on my goals. I think about what I want when I'm in a heightened, inspired, and uh, accentuated state. I write them down in my journal. I put them in a plan. I schedule them. Then I have peer partners and people that hold me accountable to what I said I'm going to do. And I talk about it a lot with people. Like, here's what I'm planning. Here's what I'm thinking. 
I mean, I have a teammate who works for me who looks at my goals and sets appointments based around what I put down on my goals when I was in a heightened and inspired state. And that plan is not locked in stone. It can change. I can crush it out, change my mind, add stuff. But it's like, you know, when a jet flies from Austin to New York, it has a flight plan. And in the same way, I have a very consciously activated flight plan that I engage in on a regular basis. It's no different than saying I'm going on vacation. And when I go to Tuscany, I'm going to go have some Brunello's, right? When you go on vacation, you have to book a hotel and book a room. I just happen to do that for all of my life. I book my date nights, my time with my kids, my time in the gym, everything else. I make my life work for me by finding out what works and doing more of what works and cutting out what doesn't. After this is awesome. So you basically, you, you write down your goals yep. and then you have someone go through your goals. And, uh, you know, if one of your goals is this company is going to do this much or, or I'm going to do this many date nights with my wife, they schedule it. Yeah, they schedule it right in. So, um, it, you know, or they'll what, ask what, me, they'll be like, hey, what would be an example like work related of how they would schedule something that you wrote down in your goals? Okay, so one of the things I've been doing is seeing a whole health doctor, right? So I've got I've got in there like four visits with my concierge doctor who takes my a million vials of my blood like a blood sucking vampire and tests me for anything that could be going wrong. And uh, so my I don't I just look on my calendar. It says, oh, I got to go see the vampire today. I don't I didn't book that. Like my team just knows that I'm doing it once a quarter. They put it right in there. But same with the dentist. That's another example. Those are simple examples. Um, same with podcasts. Like I said, I want to do 10 podcasts a year. My team just goes, finds the correct podcast and schedules me in the 10 that I'm going to do. It's all automatic. And you can do it with VAs too. In some cases, we use virtual assistants in the Philippines at four bucks an hour. So if somebody's listening going, well, I couldn't afford that. Well, maybe you could, you know, read four hour work week, listen to how Tim Ferriss set it all up. You can have guys working for you at $4 an hour in the Philippines that are actually very intelligent and very capable. Now, like anything, nine out of 10 of them you know, you want that one out of 10 that's very, very capable. Five out of 10 are average and two out of 10 are terrible and three out of 10 are pretty good, but one out of 10 is excellent. So get that one. Um, so it's just like, uh, I just have a flight plan that I live into on a regular basis. The other one I'd be curious about, um, you know, so that's maybe more in the work context. You know, I, I, I did similar things, uh, particularly, um, I think great entrepreneurs and executives are very self-actualized and aware. And in particular, they know what their superpowers are and they know what they suck at. And they spend the vast majority of the time on the superpowers and they build a team. They have partners, uh, whatever it is, whether it's a VA on one hand or, you know, a, a, a business partner who has an overlap of skill with you, but a massive amount of skills that you don't have. And so you're incredibly complimentary. You know, there's a thoughtful way about sort of designing your, for lack of a better word, work environment so that you spend the majority of your time on the shit that A, makes you happy because you're good at it and you're drawn to it, and B, tends to be the high leverage shit and you surround yourself with people who, who round you out as opposed to the common wisdom, which is, oh, you need to become a well-rounded person. <laughs> <laughs> that's mastery level what you're talking about you know so we talk about the guy that's 52 and struggling or the young kid that's struggling there's all these layers of knowledge and information you get over time but the mastery level is absolutely do only what you're excellent at only what you enjoy doing become a hundred percent that unique being that you are and let other people deal with all the other crap some people are lucky they fall into it and they have a wedding a partner a, you know a husband or a wife that automatically picks up half the shit and they pick up the other half um, but when you really get that, you can make so much money and have so much fun. You just 
do what you do, man, nothing else. And so for me, I'm not very organized. So I have my team organize me. I say, look, I'm only going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the week. I'm not going to work Monday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. So book all my shit in Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And that's what they do. So sometimes Thursday is a 14-hour day. Um, sometimes it does spill over into Friday. It's not a perfect system, but they know that generally all those appointments go through there. Uh, when I was sitting with Richard Branson, he wasn't doing any of his emails. So that's what I, I modeled after that. I followed I followed along with that plan. Until then, I still had kept my email under an area I controlled. And I hated it, but I still looked at all my damn emails. And I'm sitting with Richard Branson. He doesn't look at any of his emails. He just goes through them with his assistant who she'll say, yeah, you got this email from Sheryl Sandberg and this is what they said. And, you know, I'm listening to this. I'm sitting next to him for 45 minutes while he goes through his process on his emails because I rudely just came and sat myself down beside him. And um, I'm, I came back from that. I'm like, guess what, team? You guys are looking at all my emails. I'm not looking at a single one. If you think it's important, put it in my face. I still have them on my phone if I want to flip through them, but I'm not in control of them. You're in charge of them. You got to answer everyone within 24 hours. Um and that's it. That's the new system. And boom, like that. I just got about an hour and a half back of every day by not doing my emails anymore because I'm leveraging it out because I hate doing it. Well, and if you delete Instagram off your phone, you'll get another six hours a day back. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Facebook is the worst for me, the Facebook. Ugh. All right, boys. Anything else you want to touch on before we kick out? Yeah, the only other thing, Chris, is tribeofmillionaires.com. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. What we're doing is... You know, you could go onto Amazon and buy this uh, book, right? That's selling off the shelves. It's doing really well uh, for 20 bucks, right? Uh, and you can do that. We're happy to have you do that. We have a lot of people that are verified reviews that have left us reviews have been verified. But if you want to get it for free, you go to tribeofmillionaires.com. All you got to do is pay the shipping. It's seven bucks. It's chump change. And um, the reason that we're doing that is because we want you to uh, read it and give us a review on uh, Amazon as well after you read it, uh, just to boost our reviews. So we took a thousand copies and put them in a shed and we're, we're giving them out. We're about halfway done. So get a free copy, tribeofmillionaires.com. I love that. You know, uh, I, I told you guys, um, I'm working on my, um, my next book with my buddy, Eddie Yoon. And one of the concepts in the book is called Radical Generosity in the context of marketing and, and category creation and category design. And that legendary marketers, legendary category creators are radically generous in the way that they uh, think about marketing themselves and, and building sort of uh, the thought leadership that they want to build. Yeah, and I think we think the same way. Like we, we, all those things we talked about, why isn't it taught in high school? We're teaching it through Tribe of Millionaires, through GoBundance. We want to give away as much as possible. It's not, we make money from it, but not a, it's definitely not our primary source of income. It's not a huge amount of money. What we're really interested in is putting the wisdom, knowledge, and information out there that can change lives for the better. Because we know the more lives change for the better, the better our communities, the better our cities, and the better our country. Really, if everybody was financially astute and financially free, this would be way better a place to live than it is with poverty and poverty consciousness and lack of opportunity. So, uh, yeah, generosity rocks, man. That's what you should call your book. Generosity rocks. I like that. Yeah, sorry, the, the next book after funk to function. Funk to I like function. funk to function. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys, anything else? That's it, brother. We love you for having us on your show, man. Thanks, Chris. I love really you guys. I'm always, always stoked to see you. I can't wait to see you in person again soon. Thanks for having me in Austin. Thanks for being with us. You rocked it. Thank you. All right, brother. Be well. Bye-bye. Well, there they are. 
Pat and David, two of my favorite people in business and two guys I respect and admire uh, tremendously. If you know somebody who you think would get value out of this conversation, why not share them, uh, share this conversation right now? I want you to know that about 80% of our listeners say they heard about this oddcast from a friend and we deeply, deeply appreciate you telling people and sharing uh, these conversations. Now, if it's grow time in your business, it's time for NetSuite. Uh, thousands of super high growth startups and nonprofits rely on NetSuite as their platform because it's a full business management suite that handles every aspect of your business in one easy to use cloud platform. And NetSuite, NetSuite grows with you from the IPO, or from, from the IPO, yeah, well, maybe you could start at the IPO, that would be innovative. <laughs> but really from uh, a couple of folks in a garage with a PowerPoint and a dream to the IPO and beyond, NetSuite allows you to run your business uh, in an integrated way and in a real way that is adapted to the world that we live in today, most of us are on the go. And NetSuite has awesome dashboards that you can access directly from your star your smartphone to stay on top of what the, what's up with your customers, sales, finance, cash flow, uh, key accounting issues, where orders are, and even things like HR. Thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies on the planet use NetSuite to manage their business. And now it's available to you, and it's surprising surprisingly cost-effective. Check out netsuite.com slash different. And while you're there, you'll be able to set up a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. That's netsuite.com slash different. All right. We would like to thank uh, the best-selling book by today's guests, the incredible Pat Hyben and David Osborne. It's called Tribe of Millionaires. Check it out at tribeofmillionaires.com. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. My good friends at onelifefullylived.org, helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check it out, the number one, lifefullylived.org. Um, Pat's podcast, which is really a legendary real estate podcast called Real Estate Rockstars. Check it out, Real Estate Rockstars, wherever you get legendary podcasts. Uh, Socrates.ai. As you well know, most employee HR systems are not awesome. With Socrates, you will get your people the answers to their questions in seconds. As a matter of fact, Socrates answers 90% of HR questions. That's what we call employee awesome. Check out Socrates.ai. And uh, GoBundance. This is the uh, tribe of awesome men who are trying to do legendary things in their business and in life. Check out GoBundance.com. All right, I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. And this Oddcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network and all rights do remain perturbed. Uh, warning, this Oddcast is contagious. Remember to be nice to your mom, support local entrepreneurs, buy John's crazy socks, tell two people you love about two podcasts you love. And, uh, you know, I'm always amazed how many people haven't checked out a podcast yet. The other day I was going to get my allergy shot and I ended up in this conversation with this guy. He asked me what I did and I told him and he said he'd never checked out a podcast before. And so I tried to be a podcast legend and uh, he pulled out his smartphone and um, actually downloaded the uh, Google podcast app and got him subscribed to this podcast. So why not do the same for other people in your life? All right. Listen to Leonard Cohen. 
Only buy pasture-raised free-range eggs. Thank you, Candy Dandy. I love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go out to Greg Clark, former CEO of Symantec. Sorry, Greg, we just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. Thank you so much for the gift of your uh, life and your time to work together again. Stay legendary. And of course, follow your different. Different.